everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a day that I believe spring has actually sprung. Well, it's going to spring a little bit. Well, spring. At some point, later. If I say it, it, it okay. happens. Oh, right. All right, and we've it, got a great show. Sound. We've got a really nice show today. Chef Doug Saltis is in with us. He's worked in some of the most prestigious kitchens in the world. Today, Washington, tomorrow's of our old. Okay. Uh, he's picked up three stars from the New York Times and a Michelin star running the kitchen at Country in New York. Mm-hmm. And he's a chef partner with Let Us Entertain You. Uh, he's in charge of 14 restaurants with Let Us Entertain You all over the country. But RPM Italian and RPM Steak, Juliana Rancic's well, place. Well, RPM Italian is here. Is, is here, yeah, right. down in, uh, where is it? Mount Vernon? Yes, Yeah, right. Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. That's the neighborhood. Okay. And so he's in to talk about that. Christian Eck is the assistant food and beverage manager and tea specialist. I know, but I feel really stupid because I'm drinking like tea, but like he brought Cheesy in tea. like really eh, tea, and you brought in all these gorgeous teas. So we're going to be talking about teas. They have 35 different kinds of tea. They have a tea cellar. It's fabulous. So there's more than Lipton's, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I think so. So every night, 40 million Americans go to bed hungry, including about 16 million children. And uh, 12 Food Rescue has developed a technology program called the Food Rescue Hero, and it matches food donations to the appropriate nonprofits. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, it is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Leah Lazarando is going to be on the phone with us to tell us who benefits, how it works, and all of that. Exactly. And Chef Alvin Dela Cruz, where are you, Chef? He's over there, there he is. Uh, he's the chef de cuisine at the West End Bistro at uh, Ritz Carlton, uh, Washington. And this guy's a legend in the making. He's doing all kinds of cool stuff there, and he's in to tell us all about it. And he better have brought me something to eat. Oh, my God. Because I'm hungry. Like you need it. And Valor Brew, Pro, bleh, Valor try that Brew again. Pub. Slowly. Try saying that easily. It's a veteran-inspired restaurant and brewery uh, down near Barracks Row. And uh, they make it a point to employ veterans and use veteran-owned products uh, and support veteran causes, which is a good thing Mm -hmm. that my partner Matt will like. Yes, that's true. All right, and Greg— Your uh, business partner. Yes. (laughs) I'm your other partner. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, you know, that inspired something, but I'll let it go. Okay, Um, uh, Greg Madry is the brewmaster at Valor, and he's in to give us a taste of Valor. Okay. But let's start with uh, our buddy Mitch Berliner. Are you there, Mitch? Hi, Mitch. I am. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. On a beautiful spring day, indeed. You've got some big, big, <laughs> big news, news for right? uh, Central yes. Farm Markets yeah. out in, in the so, Tyson's area. Yeah. So well, give us exactly. the news. Exactly. Thank you for asking. So here's what's going on. On April 7th, that's not next week, but the following week, we are moving the Mosaic Farm Market parking lot, the front parking lot of the George Marshall High School. So that's right that's off. right on Route 7, Lee. But that's right, almost right at the Beltway in Route 7, right? Close. Exactly. You can see the Beltway. So it is a way more central location, Mm -hmm. much easier for our patrons to get in and out, easy parking, and um, we'll easily serve all of Northern Virginia from that location. Hence, boys and girls, we're calling it the Nova, N-O-V-A, Central Farm Market. Fabulous. And, and how many vendors have... are you going to have? What is it going to look like? 
Uh, we're going to choose. We have chosen some of the best vendors from all our markets, plus some newbies. We're going to have over 40 vendors, live music. We're going to have on opening day um, giveaways for the kids, mm -hmm. uh, chef demos. And uh, one of the things that we want all the fans of Foodie and the Beast to do is be there on opening day. Go to the info tent, sign up for the e-blast. And just say oh, you're a fan of Foodie and the Beast. We'll give you a $5 gift certificate just for coming out. Excellent. Okay, that's amazing. So, uh, uh, I want one of those. Me too. <laughs> of course you do. You're cheap. Well, I, I hope cheap. to see you there. Okay. All right. Well, congrats yeah, on the new your, market. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, we really will have all our oldies but goodies and lots of newbies. We'll have Angelic Beef, Liberty. We'll have... Um, Toy Go Twin Springs. We'll have our favorite green guy that you love. Now, will you Young be able Hodges. to sell? Will you be able to sell uh, uh, spirits and beer there too, or no? No, it's a school parking lot, so you'll have to do that before or after you come. You okay. can just get it out of the, the kids' cars on the parking lot. Mm -hmm. um, all right, man. And the right. other markets. <laughs> let's make sure everybody knows where the other markets are today. Okay. So thank you. So we are, of course, here in downtown Bethesda with huge crowds. It's very heartwarming. Very soon, uh, asparagus will be in. Asparagus, so we're here every I Sunday, can't wait. And then, to, yep, and so just find out about our other two Montgomery County openings by going to centralfarmmarkets.com, and you'll also find out about our new novacentralfarmmarket.com. All right, Excellent, man. Mitch. Thank you Great. so much. Congratulations. Congratulations. Very exciting. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Man, Thanks, we're in sync. Bye-bye. All right. Sync. Okay, so, Greg. Greg, step up to that mic. Yes, so So uh, tell us a little bit about you. How'd you become a brewmaster? Well, I started home brewing, uh, as most of us do start out. Mm -hmm. um, you got to so be in front of the mic, dude. Get in front of that mic. Sorry about that. It's radio. There mm -hmm. we go. Yep, sorry about that. It's four inches. Um, but uh, as a, as a brewer, uh, started homebrewing as, as, a, as a young guy, mm -hmm. um, and like uh, what seven or eight? Uh, actually, um, my my brother had to ask my mother <laughs> to brew uh, our first batch of homebrew on her stove. Um, okay. And she's a Kentucky farm lady, and uh, she said, "Okay, sure." Uh, and that sounds like Kentucky to me. Yeah, but she yep. did. Well, tell her what. Tell them what you didn't know that she knew. Yeah, she knew how to brew beer. Uh, okay. She knew how to make wine and, and, and do all that. And she knew how to make moonshine too. Didn't yes, she? yes, sir, um, absolutely. <laughs> so she put her fist on her hips, and you all know what that means. She gave us a couple seconds, and she's like, "Okay, I'll teach you how to make beer." Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, it stuck with me. Um, my brother became a chef, um, and after I got out of the service, um, I uh, migrated to Seattle is a very large craft brewing scene um, and was budding at the time and, uh, and and put my foot in the door and haven't looked back really. And, and what was it that you were trying to accomplish initially with the brews you were making compared to the kind of brews, uh, beers that you're making now? Well, initially I just wanted to learn how to brew on a production scale you mm -hmm. know, um, and, and learn how to do it on uh, a, a large scale, you know, not mm -hmm. just uh, in my kitchen. Um, so, you know. Must have been a Big kitchen. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was initially it was a large kitchen. Okay. Um, but uh, that was a Mac and Jack's Brewery back in uh, back in two thousand. Mm -hmm. So. Um, well, what are you going to pour for us first? I have a delicious porter. Porter. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a big fan of porter. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's like uh, starting with a piece of meat first thing in the morning. It's <laughs> not actually. Um, this gentleman will attest to you right now. Right. Chef Alvin. Uh, <laughs> Chef Alvin will attest to you. That it's very nice, light. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a nice light beer. All right. Okay. So pour away. Let's pour away. Okay, All great. Right. Thank you. So let's talk to Doug Saltis about RPM and about Let Us Entertain You. Why don't you do a couple of seconds on your background? I, Please. I, I gave it short shrift. Uh, a couple seconds. I'm kind of born in the business. Only thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Worked, uh, you know, the best restaurant I ever worked at was at my grandfather's diner. After that, I got a chance to kind of get Where a was bit. that? Where was your grandfather's diner? In Jamaica, Queens. Okay. So I grew up in New York. You can't hear that in I'm, his well, voice. Come on. You, you never know. We got to really, <laughs> we got to pinpoint it. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I grew up uh, working there more, more or less as a pest, just hanging out and uh, taking out the garbage. Uh, kept working uh, from there. You know, I was always competitive as a kid and worked in some of the best kitchens I could find and around the best cooks I could kind of compare myself to and compete against. Uh, mm-hmm. So did you go to culinary school or you just did it? I just did it. Cool. And was there a cooking style that initially, like, inspired you? Like, was there somebody you worked with that you're like, I want to do that. That's how I want to cook. Well, I saw a lot of great stuff. And coming into uh, the city and not going to culinary school, I was a little intimidated. Like, I'd go to restaurants, couldn't really understand some of the ingredients or all these wild new things. Well, and also the lingo, The lingo, right? Yeah, the lingo took a little bit to it's pick up on. It's a whole language. And then I got, I, I got fortunate. I got a job with uh, somebody I think is the best chef in the world. Alain Ducasse, mm-hmm. and I went in there and never the, heard of him. Yeah, it's, you know, hasn't done much yet for himself. Right. Uh, got in there and, and he was on our show. Oh, that's amazing, huh? <laughs> hey, it's everybody's been on our <laughs> show. Oh, just we're, we're just happy to be here. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, got got in that kitchen and, and got a chance to see uh, the ingredients, uh, humble ingredients I grew up around mm-hmm. that I was so, somewhat ashamed of when I started working in uh, New York City, seeing all these uh, weird things and differences I've never heard of. So getting a chance to see how well those uh, Humble ingredients were cared for, and uh, just just they were highlighted, and that that I really fell in love with that and the simple simple techniques, and really about being a, being about eighty percent ingredient focused. So that's always been something I've uh, that stuck with me and finding the best products. And so, how'd you wind up with with Let Us Entertain You? Um, you know, I had a, a mutual friend who was working in Chicago when I was still in New York, and he's like, "Hey, how would you like to uh, to cook for Rich Melman?" And I had a chance to. Cook for him a few times in New York when he comes to my restaurants, and that was always like highlight of the day, the week, the month. Mm-hmm. Who knows, right? And I was like, well, if I, I thought it, I've worked with some of the best chefs in the world. If I could work for the best restaurateur in the world, I, I figured if I cooked for him every day, I could kind of find a place for myself. Mm-hmm. So I started off uh, coming back and forth from New York to Chicago. I'd do like a week a month, then two weeks a month, then I'd kind of move there and was kind of coming home to New York on the weekends. I figured if I can cook for him five days a week, we'll we'll get somewhere. So, okay. Uh, after about a year and a half of just kind of cooking for him, we opened our first restaurant together, RPM Italian, in uh, in Chicago seven years ago. So why was that the way you went? After all the different kinds of cooking you went, why Italian? I love it, how earnest mm-hmm. it was. You mm-hmm. know, the earnest uh, simplicity of it really was something that rang true to me, you know. And it was interesting, you mentioned that, uh, you know, probably for the first, not first 10 years, but I was traveling to France two or three times a year, living there and stuff like that, and it was like... That sounds the, horrible. That was terrible. Really oh, you must have suffered. <laughs> Barely. Uh, well, actually, I was suffering. Wait, we're all going to weep for you. Go yeah. ahead. Well, and then I finally went to Italy, and... Uh, oh, you must have really suffered. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the, fir- the first day there, first two day- days there, I was like, what's, what's going on? It's like so, like, just humble in a lot of ways. I was like, how are they happy doing this? Mm-hmm. By the end of the 10 days, I was like... Wow, they're actually happy doing this. Right. So that that was kind of like a lightning bolt for me. You know, I was doing these these luxury Nancy meals, Nancy, yeah. meeting people that I was kind of like not my peers, but acting as if they were. Mm-hmm. And then you know, getting a chance to kind of really get back to some roots, I guess, right? Of just cooking by hand and and the humble humble ingredients, uh, Italian signed. And uh, you know, we we were working on a project, and it took us about a year to develop it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened up. Well, for people who don't know about RPM, it opened in D.C. What two, three years ago? It'll be three years this well, June. Three years. Are, okay. Are, are Bill and Juliana Rancic involved in the RPM in Chicago too? And yeah, all of them. What's yeah? So what's the partnership with that? So the, there's th- RPM three three letters, right? That's obvious. Uh, Wait, we, no, tell me again. How's that work? R one, right? P is two. No, uh, so our Rancix, right? Bill and Juliana Rancix. Uh, P Saltus, my last name. Mm-hmm. And then uh, me, uh, M the Melmans, mm-hmm. uh, our partners in it, and Rich Melman, the creator of Let Us Continue, and his sons and daughter R J Jared and Molly are my partners in in everything I do. Okay. Um, so the concept, let's talk about the concept of RPM, because that's why you're here yeah. today to really talk. Yeah, I know what we got. So, to talk about uh, the concept and what you guys are doing here. Yeah, uh, basically it's just kind of approachable, fun, some little bit of luxury, but really an everyday uh, kind of Italian restaurant. You know? But yeah. it's funny because it's a very sleek-looking restaurant, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got tons of fashion and style to it. That's what kind of the Rancis bring to the table. We think great, great pastas, all handmade. So very simple thing. It's got a, it's got a lot of style to it. We always say like affordable luxuries in a lot of ways. Very very obtainable. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and and it's pretty cool that we get a great diverse crowd. You know, people coming in there for meatballs and Italian salads, and some guys coming in there. For- you know, she's a local girl. You know that. Right? She went yeah. to Walt Whitman High School here, and yeah. her dad was a tailor at Raleigh's. I met mm-hmm. him in 1986. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's one of the reasons we're here. You know, uh, Juliana being from the area, just right around here actually. Mm-hmm. And one of our other partners, Chris Mears, is from the Georgetown area. So it was like they're like kept showing us properties here. Right. That, that's what drove us in. So, Interesting. I mean, and it's been well received. We've been enjoying being here. We want to do more stuff. It's a great, it's a great city. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of your other restaurants that you're working on that are right now in Chicago. Yeah. But I'd love to know if there's anything that could be coming to the DC market soon. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, you're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I forgot to mention you can see us on Facebook Live. Uh, go in and search Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I Nellis, and mm-hmm. you can watch all the wild action in here. We're all naked, <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to want to see that. Uh, so, Doug Saltis. He's always overselling my husband. I'm not overselling. <laughs> I just want everybody to see how much weight I haven't lost. Right. Um, uh, I'm in a Speedo. I'm not naked. Okay. You won't uh, see it. Uh, so, Doug, let us entertain you. It does nothing but... Expand, expand, expand. You have some new projects coming up, though. That's I not a negative. Sure. No, that's a good thing. No, I, we we love the growth. You know, it's mm-hmm. fantastic for us. It's a great way of working. You, you know, it allows you to bring in great talent always as you have new projects coming up. We're working on a, a really dynamic new addition to the RPM family in Chicago. RPM uh, Seafood, mm-hmm. an event space, RPM in the water, and also a casual pizzeria on the bottom that kind of reflects. When you say event space, is it like uh, a place for weddings or a place for music, like a music venue? Uh, for weddings, weddings, okay. parties, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And bar mitzvahs. And bar mitzvahs, Oh, yeah, bar mitzvahs all every Saturday mitzvahs. morning, please. Right. Um, so we're, we're doing Saturday that. Saturday afternoon, they can't do it You know, and as, as we talk DC, you know, we're always looking for properties here. We love the idea of bringing another RPM to the market. Um, as I mentioned, we wish we were a little bit bigger than we are. I've got a house right. in Kensington you can have. Well, so for yeah, people that don't start. know what the Let Us Entertain You properties are here, can we just yeah. list them off? Yeah, so it, right in D.C. we have Joe's. Right. We got the Which Monomies. is a tremendous property. Yeah, I mean, Joe's how many seats is that? At, you know, four or five hundred. That's what I thought. Uh, and then we have a couple of uh, bistros, Monomiga V, that have been around for a while. Bethesda. Bethesda and Reston. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, about three years ago we opened as well uh, Summer House mm-hmm. and Stella Barra. 
Right, Pike and Rose. Yeah, right. which are which are doing great, and that whole development's finally coming together. So that's really been fantastic. That would be enough for most people, and that's just one city. That's right. Yeah. 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 And then we have a little bit in the outskirts of the city with the wildfires as well that have been in around Tyson's. for about Tyson's, right. ten to fifteen mm-hmm. years now. So. So you guys are looking for properties in the city for other RPM specific concepts or other concepts. You know, we 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 love being downtown. So there's a couple mm-hmm. other concepts we we'd be interested in bringing here if we find the right location. So. Find the right location. Yeah, we, we if only we owned a building. We don't. Yeah, or a couple of. <laughs> We're them. so stupid. <laughs> All right, Doug. Thanks for joining us. Thank uh, great you to be so here. Much. Thank Every- you. And people can see you. You're going to be at RPM. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be here for a couple of days. I'm here. Okay, he's here. Go say hi. He's here. Please. Okay. Make him cook for you. All, All right. right. Great. So, Greg, back to you. Yes, sir. Valor um, is is a really interesting concept because it's of, by, and for veterans. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I was reading through all the information. You guys uh, donate $10 every time a, a, a veteran organization has an event there. Where yeah, does the money go? Uh, it goes to a variety of different organizations. Uh, we uh, support uh, Wounded Warriors Project, Semper Fi. Uh, we're directly uh, across the street from uh, the Marine Corps barracks. So, I mean, it's... It's kind of a huge thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you were a Navy man, so that's your cousin. I, I was a hospital corpsman, so they call me Doc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, um, and so, how does it? How does the whole Valor concept work? Uh, in terms of concept, well, I mean, it, it's a brewery. It's a brew okay, pub. it is a brew pub, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's also an event space. Like you have, it, there's, it feels like there's a lot going on there. Okay, so uh, the owner, uh, Gainer Jablonski, he owns the building, uh, the Ugly Mug used to be underneath, mm-hmm. move the LG mug upstairs, and put the brewery in downstairs. Got it. So it's two spaces. So upstairs is a large event. It can be a large event space if we close it down. And how many beers are you guys um, making right now? Uh, currently, um, we are. I have four core beers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I have a Kolsch. Um, I have a Porter, which you just had. Mm-hmm. Which was um, delicious, by the way. And I have an IPA, which is coming up right now. It's a Northwest-style okay. IPA mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Citra and Centennial hops. Excellent. Um, and uh, I will have a, a Vienna-style lager. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and How do you stay sober? David. I swear. I mean, I always say there's no stupid questions, but that one was really stupid. No, that wasn't that stupid. Yes, Look, stupid. I'm getting yeah. thumbs up from yeah. everybody. Okay. All right. All right. So, well, we're going to let you pass out the IPA, yes, and we're yeah. going to get to our next guest who is on the phone. Okay. So, Leah, are you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi good morning, okay. Leah. How are you? So, Leah, in the intro, we mentioned we, we mentioned that uh, every night about 40 million Americans go to bed hungry, including about 16 million kids, which is insane. And Food Rescue Hero is looking to address that problem in a major way. And I'm just going to let you take it. Why don't you tell us what you've developed and about how the software works and how you benefit organizations that feed the hungry? Mm-hmm. Right, David. So it's insane and even more insane to think about um, the fact that on the other side of all of that hunger is that we are actually throwing away half our food supply. 40% of our food goes to landfills. And this is perfectly good food. And the UN has estimated that, you know, if we recover all of this food, we would have enough to feed everyone three or four times over. So, but we when we talk about when right you talk now. about throwing away food, are you talking about grocery stores and markets and restaurants, or just or people at home, or is it just across the board? It's across the board. Mm-hmm. So, 
the biggest culprits of food waste is our own homes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's about 43% of all the food that goes to waste. But the next biggest segment is actually the retail segment, grocery stores, restaurants, coffee shops, you know, catering places. Um, All of these, you know, have surplus food every day. And they're in small quantities. So it's really hard to redirect them to um, nonprofits and organizations that can use them. Mm -hmm. So that's where Food Rescue Hero comes in. The Food Rescue Hero connects all of these restaurants and grocery stores to nonprofits that serve households and individuals who are in poverty and who do not know where their next meal is coming from. Okay, so how does that work? Like, how do you do it? How does that work? So we, in cities, we form networks. So we sign on donors and then we sign on nonprofits. And these organizations say, yes, I'll donate. Yes, I'll receive food and redistribute it. Mm -hmm. But the app is actually for volunteers. The way that the food moves from donors, from food retailers to nonprofit organizations, is that it's in the same way that, you know, we get our food delivery nowadays. We have drivers that take the food, surplus food from, you know, say a Safeway or another grocery store, and then they deliver it to a shelter or, you know, a housing um, site. And they're mobilized, these volunteers, these drivers are mobilized by Food Rescue Hero, which is, you know, I would say in simple terms, you know, it's the Uber Eats of Food Rescue. Interesting. So, because that's always been one of the biggest problems is getting the product into the right places, right? But so, but in, but yeah. so in working with the different, when you're partnering up, let's say uh, food that is ready to spoil or food, you know, that markets are getting rid of, how do you make sure that it gets to, how do you pair it up with the right facility? Because there's so many fantastic charities that are trying their best to get uh, food to those who need it. How do you make, how do you decide who gets what and where it goes? Right. So in every city that we go in, we make sure we build a wide nonprofit partner network. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is for, you know, with every grocery store that we work with, a lot of people don't know that maybe a mile down the road, there's probably a shelter or a soup kitchen that can use that food. Mm-hmm. And they would have wanted that food. It's just that no one is available to deliver it. And so we perform the very simple task of getting a volunteer to just pick up the food from the grocery store and deliver it to the closest um, nonprofit that can distribute it typically on the same day. What about the legalities of it? Because for a while, wasn't that a big problem? Like markets would say, uh, no, I can't donate this food because of the law. Like there, there was all this sort of red tape in getting like if an egg was broken, if one egg was broken in an egg carton, they would say we can't donate the rest of the eggs. Right. Or how did have the laws changed to accommodate all that food waste? Yes. So, Nikki, the sad part is this is the biggest misconception. Okay. So 20 years ago, um, there was a federal shield that was actually passed by President Clinton. It is called the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this protects everyone in the donation cycle. You know, the only thing that would not protect you is if there's cases of gross negligence, which, you know, doesn't happen because food retailers know what's safe. Sure. So in that example of the egg carton, you know, that egg will just be thrown out, but the 11 eggs in there are completely, completely useful, fine. and that's what we collect. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So I got a question for you because I worked with a, a big volunteer organization here in D.C. for a couple of years. And the hardest part is getting volunteers and not just, you know, someone to volunteer, but volunteers who stick with it. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you recruit your volunteers and what do you do to sort of hang on to them? Well, everyone knows the power of social media. Mm-hmm. So we create a lot of awareness for food waste, along with a lot of different organizations just right there in D.C. You know, you have the National Resources Defense Council that's that's doing such a great job. You've probably seen billboards um, that show you, you know, that you should save the food. And um, there's, you know, the World Resources Institute. There's a lot of organizations getting together to raise awareness against food waste. And so we build on that. And in each city, we really do a great job in terms of raising awareness for your ability to make a difference. And because it's an app, it, you know, you download it, it gives you push notifications every single day mm-hmm. and about available food rescues near you. And you might not take a food rescue today, but tomorrow you might see something that's on your way home and you can say, well, that's only five minutes out of my route. Right. Let me take that food. And it's people giving these little pockets of time and resources that really enable us to recover all of this food. And, and it works because, you know, in, in the cities we are in, we've recovered almost six million pounds of food. That's amazing. So what cities are you in? So we're currently in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and San Francisco, mm-hmm. and looking to expand to 20 cities by next year. Excellent. Well, I hope DC is on your uh, in your site. So, how do people find you? Do they go to Food Rescue Hero? It's uh, where is it? Well, yeah. How do you, yeah what's the best way for people to get in with you? One twelve. Right. So they can go to foodrescuehero.org mm-hmm. and they can see the cities um, that we're in currently. And they can also email us if they want us to go to their city. So I, I guess if somebody wants you to come to their city, how how does that get enacted? Do you need um, sort of a key point person here to sort of take charge of that? So we work with a one major nonprofit partner in each city, and mm-hmm. we enable them with the technology as well as all of the best practices of our network. Um, and we launch Food Rescue Hero and start recovering food. Okay. Excellent. Well, it's an amazing concept, and I wish you the best of luck of it. And I really hope that you can uh, launch it in D.C. very soon. There is um, need for it. a certain need for it. And food waste is such a buzz term right now. You know, everybody's talking about it. But I think what's more important is doing something about it. Uh, so can you just yes. give uh, your call letters one more time so everybody knows uh, where to find you? Right. So go to foodrescuehero.org and you will find all the information on how you can prevent food waste and end hunger. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Leah. Thank you. Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors, the wonderful people at Pro Fish, Ivy City Smokehouse, and Central Farm Markets. And meat crafters, those skinny little salamis that are so good to eat and so few calories. They're low carb. And they're low carb. All right. So, Greg, Greg Madry. Let's yes, sir. Talk a little bit more about Valor. So, um, you're, you're, first of all, this last beer you poured was really 
Lovely. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Well, Delicious. Uh, you're having the porter or the IPA? The, the IPA. IPA. The IPA. Really good. It's a nice uh, blend. But even the porter, you know, I think a lot of people look at a porter and because of its color, think it's they just assume it's going to be super heavy. And there are some really heavy porters out there, obviously. Yep. But this is really nice very drinkable. Light. Yeah. Nice I had light. a heavy porter at the train station. Uh-huh. Recently, but I'm bummed. Bing bong. Well, I try to I try to brew not like high alcohol beers. I try to find a balance between malt and hops and alcohol, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's one of the things we uh, as as a brewer I try to do. Now you're brewing a pale ale. You told us what's that all about? Uh, well, that's going to be our first beer. Um, I'll be putting in uh, this week, uh, and we'll be ready to be serving uh, uh, that. Uh, First week of April. Should now, do you do you have a special place you go for your hops? How does that work? I get most of my, my hops straight out of Yakima, Washington. Uh, it's the largest hop producer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've got a lot of connections. Uh, having been brewing in Seattle for 20 years, um, I've got a lot of connections there. Cool. All right. Get hops, good hops. And what are you pouring next? What am I pouring next? I have a uh, an Irish-style red. And uh, that I will be. All right. Let's try putting, it. And putting, then we'll. Putting we'll, right on here in just a second. When we come back, you want to find out why it's called a red. We'll find that out. Okay. Let's yeah. keep it as a secret. <laughs> Stay uh, tuned. It has something to do with color. It's like a CNN tease. Stay right. tuned. Breaking news. Breaking we'll find news. out why a red is a red. Okay. All right. So, Christian Eck. So, here's the thing. You grew up in State College, Pennsylvania. You know, and you became a SOM. Like, how did that happen? I he mean, was in Montana. And his dad is a trainer at Penn State, and mm-hmm. his mom works at Penn State too. Yes. And and both my parents went to Penn State. And I told him the story school. already. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how did you end up becoming a wine aficionado? I. But were you a bad boy in high school? I started young. Bottle of, I, thund- I, I was the Bottle young- of Thunderbird behind I, the school. And- not quite. I was the youngest of three boys, so we got into our uh, our set of trouble for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, my mother was raised on a farm, and we'd visit the farm and. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes on uh, that, that uh, you know. That you don't want to admit to? Exactly. So mm-hmm. let's talk. So you got into wines. You became a Psalm. Mm-hmm. You were out in Montana. Where? But we're talking teas today. How did tea inspire you? Like, what happened? Tea inspired me because when I was trying to gain as much wine knowledge as possible, tea really kept me going. Mm-hmm. It's the caffeine. It's the, you know, it gave me that, that mental focus that I needed to keep reading and keep tasting and keep learning. And tea is very similar to wine. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of the flavors, the agriculture, the the styles are all very similar, and the words are the same, and the tastes are very similar. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice bridge to kind of go into the, you know, into one or the other. So enter the wine world or enter the tea world. So so, but which came first? You your love of tea, like you were a tea drinker, <laughs> but then you came to the Park Hyatt, and they have this massive tea cellar. So we were like, oh my god, this is. This is my calling. This is what I should be doing. Kind of. Yeah, it was, uh, I was like, why is no one taking care of this? Well, did you right. come there as a tea guy or as a psalm? I came there as the psalm. Right. So mm-hmm. I came there to oversee the wine program and then, you know, realized, there, hey, there's no one overseeing this tea menu. Mm-hmm. And we have a humidor there. We age a number of teas. We've got about 15 to 20 teas in that humidor. And so, you know, you have to pay attention to those. You have to baby them and take care of them and make sure that they age properly over time. But wait, you have 35 different kinds of tea, but all tea comes from the same leaf. So yeah, how do you get, get like all the different Can we get like a little tea flavors? 101? Yeah. So tea 101, there's 
all coming from the same plant. It's Camellia sinensis is that plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are I two sub-varieties. Uh, there is Camellia sinensis that exists in China, and there's Camellia Assam, which exists in India. Okay. And so very similar, same genome, but uh, a lot of your Assam tends to be strictly black. Mm-hmm. Then when you get into your Chinese, into your Camellia sinensis, that's where you kind of get into your whites, your oolongs, your greens. But why? Is it but the it's soil? Still the or same is it the same plant, it, right? It's still the same plant. Um, it's it's everything. It's soil. It's climate. It's, you know, what the, the farmer wants to do with it. It's what the, the producer wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many decisions that go into it. But the, some of the biggest ones are going to be the climate and the age of the bush, and then also the the producer, what style they want to go for. Well, so we were talking off air about buds and like correct the yeah. tea so, leaves. So like when you get when you get like a sachet of tea, mm-hmm. depending on the brand, obviously, what's in there? Is it just shake? Is it, it, it buds? What's what's in there? It really varies. Uh, mm-hmm. When you get a sachet, you're probably looking at, I would say third, fourth leaf, if not farther down the tree. So as a bush comes into spring, and it's perfect because cherry blossom just started, Mm -hmm. first comes the bud. And that bud is going to be the the essence of the plant, essentially. And so the bud is going to be essentially the greatest part you can get. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a bud, which I brought a Yunnan bud with me, it's strictly that one bud. And so it takes a large number of, of buds to make you know, one batch of tea. Okay. Whereas the rest of your teas tend to be bud plus one or bud plus two, which means you take the next leaf or you take the next two leaves. Mm-hmm. And so your higher quality teas are going to take just bud plus one. How do they keep track with all those plants? It's a pro- just that, I assume it's, it's, it's a process. Cent- centuries worth of right. practice has, has come into play there. Okay, so you brought us a bunch of teas today. What, yes. what did you bring us? So I brought everything that's kind of an experiment. Uh, everything here in front of you has been aged in a pomelo. So okay. about a year ago, I hauled out a bunch of pomelos and filled them with, with varieties of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditional Chinese uh, style, but starting uh, with a white tea. You would never see these teas kind of put into pomelo. So we've got a, a white Why? silver needle. So why? Um, the white style green, not really meant to be aged. You want them to be as fresh as possible. Fresh as possible. Mm-hmm. But for this, I wanted to see, you know, how much of that citrus and how much of that acidity could we actually bring into it. Mm-hmm. And so when I put something into a pomelo or when anyone puts anything into to a citrus fruit for that matter, it's really looking to pick up those citrus notes. Sure. And then also the acidity that comes from the citrus as well. Mm-hmm. And so but that, now, can I just ask a question? Because you said silver needle, mm-hmm. but it's still the same plant, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's what's confusing. There's all this terminology and people aren't, they're like, no, that must be something different. Yeah, I I like to, to always tell people, stick to the colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, white, green. Oolongs or blues, uh, mm-hmm. and then black teas. Right. Keep it keep it simple. Stick to the colors. And when you find what you like, whether it's white tea, green tea, or black tea, mm. stay within that realm. Because even within the colors, there's so many different styles. Uh, with the greens, for example, you've got you know the difference between Chinese greens and Japanese greens. But then right. even within those, you have so many different varieties that you can really right, experiment Right, because there's with like it. sencha and... There's sencha, gyokuro, jasmine. there's hojicha and jasmine. So, and, what, so what, if it's all the same... But what is the difference? Is it just how they're cured or or dried or what is it? So between the so between the colors, it's how it's how it's treated once it comes off the plant. Okay. Your your oxidation level is going to determine the color of the the tea. So mm-hmm. your white teas see 
barely any to maybe five to ten percent oxidation. Got it. Your greens are going to be up to about fifteen percent. How at do most. they get oxidized? How does that work? Uh, in the sun, oh. uh, traditionally, uh, mm-hmm. but you put them on mats, bamboo mats, and you lay them out in the sun, let them dry, and then also the way you handle it. The mm-hmm. rougher you are with it, you get little rips and tears in the leaf itself, which then allows those the water to essentially dehydrate out of it. And that's oxidation in its Got basic it. form. Fascinating. And so the rougher you are with it, the darker it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And so your white teas really have to be handled so carefully from the moment it comes off so the delicate. plant. They're so delicate. They're super delicate. Okay, so then we have the white. I assume the second one is This is a green? Sencha. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is a Japanese green tea uh, Sencha. I, you know— I think this was my most interesting one of the day. It really mellowed out. The vegetal notes kind of came down, and mm-hmm. you get that more citrus. Essential can be sharp. It can be very sharp, mm-hmm. and this is not. It, it it still has that really good acidity to it, but it's nice. nice What's the third notes. one? Third is Yunnan bud. So this is just that bud. Uh, this is coming off uh, in the spring. So. Right about now, a year ago. And this you put in the pomelo as this well. This I put in pomelo as well. This is so smooth. Yeah, I also. I brew everything uh, Eastern style, so I do it traditionally in Gong Fu or in Gai Wan, which is a lot of leaf to a little bit of water. And so, you know, there's roots to how the British make their tea from when tea was first started because Mm -hmm. it was so expensive. But in China and in Japan, where tea is very cheap, you can afford to put a lot of leaves in your pot. But I find some of the problems with how people do tea here in the States is that they make it so strong. You know, yeah. so they put like two or three bags in a pot of hot water and you just, you know, your your taste buds are overblown with like this bitter, strong flavor that the tea is never supposed to showcase, yeah. right? So that's that's temperature and time. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to actually steeping the tea, uh, the color is going to tell you what temperature you want. Mm-hmm. And then you want it, I, I'd say, depending on the amount you have, about 30 seconds for mm-hmm. a steep. Okay. And I think that's a, a problem for a lot of people. I, yeah. I don't think people know how long to steep it or that it really matters. So that a lot of people think they don't like tea because it hasn't been prepared well. Yes. Um, tell us about the last So the tea. last one, this is actually one that I did not make. This is one we have on our menu at the moment that we get from our supplier out of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a 2003 vintage uh, Asian and Pomelo. This is poor. Poor is a style that's the only fermented uh, or the original fermented style in the world. Okay. China, China didn't export it and now... You know, we're seeing a lot of it on the market. So when you say that it's fermented, does it carry the same sort of qualities that a like fermented foods has for your gut? Yes. Oh, it, it's fascinating. actually shown to be a great uh, substitute to Lipitor and yeah. really lower your cholesterol. Fantastic. Really? All right. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where they can find you, please. This was so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me at the Park Hyatt, Washington, also known as Blue Duck Tavern. Mm-hmm. We're there every day with the tea menu, and then we also have... Uh, our special tea service on Sundays. And you can't Excellent. miss him because he looks like a Game of Thrones cast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, Chef me. Alvin, we need you up Come to the mic. Come on over here, Chef Alvin. Hi there. So uh, there is a legend growing about Chef Alvin De La Cruz down at the uh, West End. Are you Bistro. creating the No, legend? I read about him. Okay. And uh, everybody's talking about all these cool things you're doing. So... But we get, we're going to go to commercial about a minute and a half. So, But do a fast bio on you. Where'd you come from? Mm-hmm. Um Mainly from Half Moon Bay, which is about 20 miles south of San Francisco. That ain't sure. bad. Great Bay space. Area. Absolutely. Near the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Traveled across the country for Washington, D.C., Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. West End Bistro. Currently trying to do a West Coast style in the East Coast um, market with the East Coast produce and locality. How's that going? It's 
doing pretty well, actually. I mean, I'm well, here with you guys. Well, were you surprised? Guys. I mean, were you surprised by the product available on the East Coast? I mean, because on the West Coast, you know, 100%. you have it's so different. You have so it much is. available to you all the time, and this is way more seasonal. But we have incredible farms here and incredible product. You, you just do. have to. Go That's with the one flow. of the biggest things that I saw that you guys did was that the farms is three different states, a lot closer than California, mm-hmm. and four seasons. That and um, the the things that grow here is completely different as well. Right. So I had to change my style of cooking. Where are you from originally? Uh, my parents are from Philippines, mm-hmm. but I grew up in the Bay Area. Okay, so you're from San Fran. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how, because West End Bistro has been around for a while, and you're yeah. really taking over an institution and making it your own. So uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Mm-hmm. Quick shout out to ProFish and uh, Ivy City Smokehouse, uh, Meat Crafters and Central Farm Markets for mm-hmm. sponsoring the show. We have some new sponsors we'll be announcing in a week or so. That's How true. about that? Very How exciting. about them apples? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to be a sponsor of this show? Chef. That's right. So, so I mean, when you came in, there was a menu already at the restaurant. Did you, did, was it a revolution or an evolution? Um, I would have to say a little bit of both. Um, I'm classically trained in French cuisine. Mm-hmm. I've worked with the French master chef for 10 years and then transferring here, he's another French master chef. So that culture is highly tied into what we do, but it's a new age, it's a new era. So we try to do what the old guys back then used to do and bring it back to what we do now, which is the newer, younger chefs. Do you get pushback? Some. Yeah. Some. uh, Classic, classic names get, gets a little uh, rebuttals in terms of what a galette and a tart is and. We can go discuss about those things, but mm-hmm. you know, as long as it tastes good, it looks good, and people. Well, so respond the restaurant to it. has gone through a lot of transitions, and then yeah, it started you... off as Cobalt back when it opened. Well, really? that, but I'm talking about West End Bistro specific because it's been around for a while. So yeah. now that you're in the kitchen there, how are you executing the menu, and what can people find on the menu? Like, what are some of the well, things that you're doing? My my first three months was uh, moving to DC was solely dedicated to learning what the chefs in the area did. Mm-hmm. I gained 35 pounds when I first moved. Going there. around, <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what I gained st- when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the style, the style of um, what the the chefs in the city are doing is completely um, different than what San Francisco does. Um, all I really tried to do is highlight the products, and I believe a lot of the chefs are doing that now, mm-hmm. especially when the Michelin started coming into the city. I think it started before that, but that's why Michelin came to the city. <laughs> oh, sure. So. <laughs> She's a snotty know-it-all, isn't <laughs> well, she? Well, I mean, I don't like when people try living with her. Oh my god! As if it's something it, it's, that just happened. I am, I am not dissing it because okay. I actually love the DC food scene. Mm-hmm. Um, all these great chefs are changing the way things are in the East Coast and. You know, it's completely different than what New York does. Oh, absolutely. They're two different Hands animals. And, and it's like comp- comparing Northern California and Southern mm-hmm. California, you know. So what can people find on the West End Bistro well, menu? Well, we're, we're launching our new spring menu uh, mm-hmm. April 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, the Delta Asparagus with the uh, sherry sherry cream. Um, and uh, dun- I used to use dun- So I used to use Dungeness Crab. In the East Coast, I have to use Blue Crab because— Because you're on the East Coast. Exactly. You have to, right? And people are crazy here when it comes to crab. <laughs> and this is what? Short rib? It is. Um, short rib. This is a, a little take on what the happy hour menu is going to be, which is um, a braised short ribs. We'll, we'll be putting it in fried like- plantains, pickled, uh, pickled onions, and a hoisin aioli. 
Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank it's you. Really I beautiful. touched that one, so don't. Yeah, so that's for you. Yep. And what about the expanse of the menu? What like how? Because you know some restaurants are more small plates. Are, are you ch- more traditional appetizer entree? Appetizer entree. Um, I might be doing a a family style, maybe one or two different things because mm-hmm. uh, I have my hands on some uh, cowboy chops, like the Cote de Bouffe. Just mm-hmm. what is it? Is, is, is that a cowboy not chop? Is is not, not a? Uh, it's like two pounds of a ribeye with a bone in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that called? That's a, not axe. an axe. <laughs> What's it called? That's not an axe. Tomahawk. 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 Yeah. yeah. But that's not the same thing, right? Yeah, it is. It's the same thing. Is it? Yeah, cowboy chop is what they say in Texas. Up here, it's a tomahawk. Um, So you're thinking of going that route too? Yeah. So we'll we'll play with the ideas. I mean, honestly, as long as the people come in, they're happy. Mm -hmm. They're enjoying the food, and the food looks great. Um, So, what were some of the ingredients that you were most surprised by as you were creating dishes for your menu? um, Root vegetables. East Coast, uh, especially like the D.C. area, does a really great with um, with root vegetables. The, mm-hmm. the blue crab, you know, like I don't think you could pull me away from Dungeness, but uh, Maryland it's like blue crab. It's, but it's so different. It's very different, mm-hmm. but it has its place, I would have to say. You belong to us um, now. <laughs> <laughs> and pickling, uh, pickling the vegetables, actually, I've gotten really into it in the past two years. From being here? Yeah. You weren't Just, doing that out in San Fran? Not as much. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, fresh locality. Like my my farmers used to be able to drive up to the hotel and show me a box and be like, "Chef, can you use this today?" Right. I don't have that luxury here uh, currently, but I get because of the hotel or because of your relationships with the farmers. Um, not necessarily. Like I. My drive to who can pull up to that place and park and bring him well, something. Yeah. To Parking show. is really forget it. Difficult there. That's fair true. Enough, fair <laughs> enough. But, but I drive. I drive. Uh, past five different farms when I used to go to, to mm. work. So right here I take the metro. Right. It's a little different. <laughs> and a lot of farmers true. on the metro. All right. Well, go down and, and, and I but mean. But you should meet uh, the guy who we had on the phone in the beginning of the show, Mitch Berliner. He has uh, three farmers markets. I would his, love to get He's, he's probably got, got 120 or so vendors. That's that are, awesome. He has incredible vendors. Yeah, we'll hook you up yeah. with him. Yeah, we will totally do that online. Right, absolutely. All right. So, Tell everybody where they can find yeah. you, please. Uh, West End Bistro, Washington, D.C., uh, Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. uh, West End Bistro. M Street and 22nd. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. We all know where it is. <laughs> Slept there a couple of times. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So, That's Greg, true. let's go back to you. Now, yes, you were sir. telling us you've got an event coming up. Do you want to tell a little bit about that? Uh, we have uh, uh, our opening event uh, for the brewery. The, the restaurant's already been open, but uh, I'm Restaurant uh, opened in October, correct? Correct. Yeah. And the brewery is now online. And um, like I said earlier, our first beer is going to be uh, brewed this week um, in our system. Uh, all the beers that we've had right now have been collaborative brews with New District. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be opening um, in terms of uh, – I, I don't think we've actually set a specific date – April. Apparently, April's you date. have set April. a date. April I, is a date. I have to ask the boss. <laughs> right, 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 of course. All right, cool. Well, let's make sure everybody knows where Valor is. Okay, Valor is on. We're on the Marine Corps Barrack Row on Eighth on Eighth Street. And uh, we should remind everybody that the mission there is to not only hire veterans, correct, but to benefit veterans organizations like Wounded Warrior. Yes. Uh, when you do your events, so uh, it's but a, it's event specific, so it's not based off of the beers. It's when you host events there, right, in the event space. Uh, no, every 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 beer that we sell, um, there is a 
specific a spinoff amount, for the specific oh, amount of that is uh, terrific. That is and really how do you go to, about hiring people? Uh, how do you go about hiring veterans? What's the outreach to make that happen? Uh, well, we have a, we have a, a lot of avenues. Um, we have uh, obviously. <laughs> I mean, when the guys are when yeah they, when they when they're done when they pack up their their you yeah. know their... we have we have a lot of organizations that we work through. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Navy Yard through. You know, no, I was going to say they walk out of the barracks for the last time. They walk across the street to, <laughs> to yes. your place and sign up for a job. Well, you, we we just we make we make an effort to uh, get involved with organizations that are looking for veterans to who are getting out of the service. Yeah, there's a lot of veterans' and, workforce development stuff here. Exactly. So. That's and that's what we're kind of great. We, well, we focus on. Yeah, well, go sure. Valor. We yeah, love great. it. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right. So. Okay. So we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. We certainly learned a lot about, first of all, food waste, which is an incredibly big topic, and everybody should look into ways to reduce their food waste. Uh, restaurants I'm gonna, at home. I'm going to reduce, We're gonna my reduce food it in waste studio, right here, man. Obviously. Um, and uh, we also want to thank our guests for the tea and the beautiful food and everything that we did in studio today. You can find everything that you just heard uh, online on the list. Are you on it? Are you doing my closing? spiel. Do you want to do your closing spiel? No, that's okay. Okay, great. Um, Where we list everything that's happening in the D.C. metro area. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I. Next week's show is going to be equally entertaining because we always bring it. Um, We're doing, we got Jack Rose coming in. They are actually launching a couple like sister restaurants and we're going to get the 411 on that and Cookology, one of the like last cooking schools in the D.C. area is opening up a tremendous new property and uh they're coming in to tell us all about it um lastly don't forget we have a second show at the line hotel called industry night with foodie and the beast uh and we're interviewing carla hall she just dropped a new book and she'll be in studio with us so we want to thank all of you well there's one last thing both shows uh all the shows are archived uh uh on itunes so you can tune in something you can tune in yep and you can always go back to my facebook live uh segments to see everything that you missed so again thank you all for joining us in studio today and everybody please have a delicious week